Good evening and welcome to No Pressure To Be Funny from the Phoenix in Cavendish Square. My name is Kevin Day, I'm standing in for regular host James O'Brien, who is currently brushing up his driving skills and flirting with UKIP in an attempt to land a top gear job. <laughs> As regular listeners will know, this is my second show in a row. I would like to take this opportunity to rule myself out of hosting a third show, even though no one's actually asked me to yet. And I've now laid myself open to a Boris Johnson challenge. I've laid myself open to Boris Johnson. Whew. I was going to say I thought of myself more as the show's co-pilot, but now I think it's probably best if I don't. <laughs> Shame on you. Delegates at a UK student conference this week were told that applause is intimidating and were asked not to clap in order to show appreciation, but to do jazz hands instead. <laughs> So it's a brilliant excuse to use on the podcast when our jokes don't work, like that last one about a co-pilot. So let's all do jazz hands now. Everyone do jazz hands now, look. That's fantastic. Jazz hands, lovely. Oh, it works. I feel better. <laughs> if you don't applaud during the show, I will kill you all. Like this. <laughs> don't mime on radio. In other news, uh, DJ Neil Foxy, Dr. Fox, Basil Brush McFox Fox, has been charged with nine sex offences, which means he's not just a twat because of his name. Uh, the roof of a school bus was torn off on the way to a day trip at Thorpe Park. Apparently the bus was tall enough to go under rides, but not under a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Having seen the televised debate between David Cameron and Ed Miliband, it's become abundantly clear that the man we really want to lead the country is Jeremy Paxman. <laughs> the Italian legal system has leapt into action once again like a defective pinball machine. This time Amanda Knox is definitely not guilty, and that's an end to the matter. Meanwhile, Silvio Berlusconi is still appealing to the courts, if not to underage girls. And there are rumours that a Mr E.T. Brute is still awaiting trial for the stabbing of a Julius Caesar earlier in March. <laughs> clever, but sometimes clever is as good as funny. <laughs> the female panda at Edinburgh Zoo has been artificially inseminated. At least that's what she told her husband when she came home pissed on Friday. <laughs> And we will be selling female panda merchandise after the show. We've got a rather tasteful Dolce & Gabbana turkey baster. <laughs> Boycott gay men, that's what I say. MPs are urging the NHS to ban fast food outlets from hospitals. My question would be, how come they were allowed in the first place? Ah, hang on, wait. Give shit food to patients, so visitors buy them burgers. The hospitals get a cut from the franchise. The health of the patient worsens, and back they come to hospital. That's a good business model, isn't it, provided it's all privatised? I'm loving it. <laughs> and finally, a National Characteristics Survey was published this week, which says that the Welsh are shy and neurotic, while the ones they could trap to answer questions were. Geordies are intelligent, and the Scots are happy and welcoming. And guess what? Londoners are grumpy and impatient. Well, do you know why we're grumpy? It's because we're working our arses off to subsidise the rest of the country. <laughs> right? And all its capricious moods. If all the money made in London stayed in London, I'd have time to be shy and neurotic. <laughs> and if we're impatient, it's because we have to make your money. So if it says seek assistance, seek some fucking assistance and get out of the way. Geordies are intelligent, not the two that asked me how long the London eye takes to get to Greenwich last week, aren't <laughs> Call me grumpy and impatient, you bunch of freeloading yokels. Seriously, the sooner we turn the M25 into a moat and declare a socialist republic of London, the happier I'll be. <laughs> Did that in Swindon last night. <laughs> 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 
Uh-huh. Our musical guest tonight is a no-pressure regular who has appeared with us in many guises, from the adult American songstress to Loretta Main to earnest young folk singer Pancreas. Tonight we're delighted to welcome her as herself, the one and only Pippa Evans! Hi, everyone. I warn you, I'm a very positive person. <laughs> it can be quite annoying. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah... Um, because this can get a bit cynical sometimes, guys, right? Uh, can get a bit cynical. I mean, obviously Kevin there just proved me a bit wrong. But uh, so I've decided to start with a really positive song to get us in a positive mood. Okay? Are we up for this? Yeah. <laughs> cynical, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Sing along if you know the words. You won't because I only wrote it this morning. May 7th is coming, election time ahead. We get to choose once again how this country isn't led. Oh, sorry, sorry, a bit of cynicism came through there. Sorry about that. Sorry. May the 7th, our dreams will all come true. I can't wait to vote. How about you? Yeah? You excited about voting? You look excited. Yeah, the most excited people in London, here at the Phoenix. Well, I'm not that keen on that Nigel guy or the nice guy act that David puts on. Nicholas seems to come with Ed and I'm worried about the skeletons in Nick Clegg's shed. I did think about voting green like a lot of people do. But don't vote for what you want to see. You have to vote strategically. May the 7th, our dreams are in their hands. We get to choose from the finest two men in the land. And no one stays in long enough to implement the change that they want to see. Those Eton boys make so much noise. Sometimes I think they don't want to hear me. And the NHS is such a mess. Can we save it? I must confess. I don't think that it's possible. Does that make me horrible? And the food banks seem to grow and grow with a housing crisis there in tow. While oligarchs snap up property, I can't cope with the hypocrisy. Oh, May the 7th, our dreams will all be dead. I think I'll just stay in bed. Thank you very much. Pippa Evans. And now it's time to introduce our panel. Please welcome Kerry Marks, Martin Rosen, Nick Revel, and Susan Murray. Uh, Kerry Marks has toured his comedy all over the world. In both 2009 and 2011, he won Best International Show at the New Zealand Comedy Festival. Strangely, 2010's offering, Advanced Australia Fair, wasn't even nominated. <laughs> Martin Rosen is perhaps our leading political cartoonist. He describes his work as visual journalism, which is going to look great on the podcast, but it's all right, we can just do <laughs> jazz hands. <laughs> Comedian, author and satirist Nick Revel was one of the creators of No Pressure to be Funny, so if tonight goes badly, it's his fault, not mine. <laughs> Susan Murray is a writer and comedian born in Scotland, but raised by wolves. Sorry, in wolves. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the panel... Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we always start the show with a rather contentious item, uh, and it's always very funny. It's always 
very provocative. And it's always by Alistair Barry. So please welcome this month's Devil's Advocate, Mr Alistair Barry. The Devil's Advocate. Uh, the Devil's Advocate believes this month that more teenagers should travel to Syria. <laughs> Having walked through central London on a Saturday night, I don't find this <laughs> sentence all that controversial. <laughs> it is often said that the teenager is a relatively recent invention, but like camera phones, Ebola and Katie Hopkins, that does not necessarily make them much fun to share public transport with. Obviously, that's just the carping of a man who is so out of touch, he thought twerk was where people from Liverpool went Monday to Friday. <laughs> that's, that's a silly joke. <laughs> Scousers with jobs. <laughs> but, you know, I'm old enough to think that a Miley Cyrus gag I wrote two years ago is still topical, so what do I know? Do you remember 2013? ISIS was a dog in Downton Abbey. One Direction were a five-piece and a Rolf Harris painting was still an investment. <laughs> Life's hard when you're a teenager, especially now it has been confirmed that Zayn won't be coming back until the inevitable 2030 1D reunion tour when you'll be so ancient you'll be like in your 30s. So it's no wonder there is a search for something more fulfilling. I mean, what about me? I'm a 40-something white man. When I heard Jeremy Clarkson had been sacked, I nearly went to Syria. <laughs> a bit like George Orwell heading off to the Spanish Civil War, although the novels would probably contain less pigs in positions of authority. <laughs> so, I think the Bethnal Green Academy Exchange Programme is to be encouraged. <laughs> they say the younger generation have no get-up-and-go. Huh. What better way to prove them wrong than by embezzling your family and setting off on a megabus to Istanbul for a game of medieval blind date? They could even be reality TV shows. Stars in their ISIS. Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be a suicide bomber. Just a big cloud of smoke that no one comes out of. <laughs> Although, obviously, you'd have your work cut out finding 72 virgins in Bethnal Green. So, it's clearly time for our young people to head to Syria. Not only will it make town centres less antisocial at weekends, it's also the only place they'll be able to afford to buy a house. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see the real housewives of Bethnal Green on The Only Way is ISIS. Thank you. <laughs> Alistair Berry. Uh, Susan, this is a very uh, complex subject, obviously, and it's, it's like the education debate where sometimes teachers get the blame. The police are getting entirely the blame. The parents must bear some responsibility for their children going like that, mustn't they? Well, yeah, they are getting the blame, and it's, it's just another thing of, like, it, no one's ever to blame apart from, you know, somebody else. And I don't know if anybody remembers when they were young, we were all, you know, young and angry, and we, were, you know, we weren't radicalised. I just, I was young and angry, I just dyed my hair red. <laughs> which I thought was quite radical, and I still haven't quite grown out of it. Um, Your parents didn't try and blame the police, really, though, did they? No, they didn't. But even if they tried to stop me, I would have still done it, do you know what I mean? Because I was entirely to blame. So maybe the girls are just entirely to blame. Why hasn't anybody thought about that, really? And you look at their lives and go, there's, well, you know, they've, they've got, like, there's no jobs, there's huge education if you want, huge debts if you want to go into education. You know, they're probably never going to be able to buy a house. And the weather's shit. If they go over the where, go over there, they can get married, they've got somewhere to live, and they don't have to worry about putting the bins out on the right day. 
It's always a positive side to it, yeah. I know. <laughs> Martin, exactly. Martin, Martin um, sorry. Well, I'm thinking, and it's not, I mean, is it really going to be that, that different to East London where they're going to be? I mean, it's going to be like, you know... Yeah, yeah, I'm going, I'm, I'm going, yeah, on that <laughs> one. I, I'm definitely going, yeah. I, 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 I know I Bethnal know. Green's a shithole, but I'm going, yeah. I don't yeah, know, lots, lots yeah. of poverty and wankers with beards? Yeah, oh, that's true, oh, God, yeah. Oh, no, that's, a, no, 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 that's an issue. If I saw an ISIS bloke with a full hipster or hobo beard... The full Hoxton. That's him. Now, Martin... You'd uh, assume you're on a record label. No, because you're a Guardian cartoonist. I'm a Guardian reader, so we all know that you're on the side of ISIS in this argument. Uh, <laughs> but I, I haven't seen any cartoons sort of satirising this. What, is this a subject that you wouldn't touch? No, I've, I, I've done cartoons. It's, uh, it's a family newspaper. The cartoon I wanted to do, which I'd never have published in any publication in this country, not even the Morning Star, I do stuff all for free, um, was going to be Jihadi John, although I was thinking, if, we, if he was Jihadi Jim, would we warm to him more? Yeah. Or just Jim. Um, yeah, or just, just Jim. Jim, just Jim. Yeah. But, you know, ISIS have minted their own currency. They've, <laughs> they've minted their own dinars. Uh, just the idea of him standing there next to a, a hostage going, heads or tails? <laughs> um, and, you know, my life is burdened by having these ideas which I can't actually get out onto paper because nobody will publish them, and I'm not going to draw a line unless I'm going to get paid for it. So, that's, well, that's it. I, I mean, feel free to describe anything you want that might not be published here. That's, we've already established that we can do jazz hands. Yeah, OK, OK. I'll, I'll start drawing. But that's, seriously, though, because we'll, we'll talk about this at greater length later about satire, but... Have you ever sat down and written a, or drawn a cartoon and suddenly there's no point even submitting this? Or do you have a free hand from your... I, I usually have a free hand, pretty much a free hand. There's, cert, there's a certain amount of self-censorship. I mean, on this subject, I very, very nearly drew a cartoon of Muhammad the day after the Charlie Hebdo massacre. What well, stopped you? Um, the Guardian stopped me. Oh, really? Well, they, they, they discussed it, to, to, to their credit, they discussed it for uh, about 12 hours. They discussed it with Islamic scholars. It was going to be a very positive image of... You know, well not, it wasn't going to be inflammatory, it was going to be the Prophet Muhammad with his head in his hands, so you couldn't see his face, wearing a not-in-my-name T-shirt. And uh, it was decided in the end there are too many Guardian uh, employees working in the Middle East who could get killed because of that. I could have to go into hiding and that kind of thing. But do, do, you, think that, I mean, do you think that's fair enough? Do you think people's lives shouldn't be put at risk because of satire? I, I think it is fair enough. I mean, because I didn't do that cartoon, I was then attacked on the wonderful social media, all this shit we have because, mm. uh, you know, we used to have skulls to keep this terrific garbage inside our heads then they invented Twitter and shit. Um, and so because I didn't do something, I was prepared to do and actually prepared to go into hiding as a consequence, I was attacked on social media for the next 48 hours for being the worst coward in the history of cowardice because I hadn't drawn a picture of Muhammad raping a baby. Uh, so, I wasn't, so, first of all, there were people who wanted to kill cartoonists. Secondly, mm. there were pe people who wanted cartoonists to die to further their geopolitical aims. And then I discovered a couple of weeks later, and Nick, I was talking to Nick Cohen, a uh, uh, journalist on The Observer, he said, oh, I've had the Met round um, seeing, uh, seeing if I wanted protection because I wrote something about Charlie Hebdo. I said, well, I've been on the fucking telly practically ceaselessly because I'm the cartoonist who can actually string a sentence together. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and I've heard not, I've a, peep out, I've heard not yeah. a peep out of the Met, and then I thought... Actually, I shouldn't have said in public quite so many times, Metropolitan Police, best police force money can buy. Um, <laughs> well, they the obviously, think, obviously think, oh, we can get rid of him this way. You know, nobody will know. They'll never yeah. suspect us. But the, the irony is, of course, that you were quite happily allowed to, to represent the Prophet Muhammad until about the 8th, 9th century, when there was too many of them knocking about, and they decided to curtail them because the ones that were good weren't selling for enough money. Well, so exactly. There was never the same, there was an actual story. religious reason for it at first. But, Nick, the interesting thing as well, because we, we saw 12... Oh, so, sorry, I was just saying, I have... 
drawn the Prophet Muhammad. It has been published after the Danish cartoons business. Uh, it was a bloke in a turban with a beard reading a copy of the Island's Post and thinks bubble saying, none of these look, even look a thing like me. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there is an, a, a thing as well. That we, saw, we saw 12 medical students last week apparently have gone out to purely to offer medical assistance to victims of, of war and battle. And the newspapers, it seemed, didn't quite know how to deal with that because obviously they were furious that these people were going out to aid and succour the enemy, but at the same time they were also going out to sort of help people in distress. So they didn't quite know, get an angle on that. What do you think? Well, they're grown-ups, aren't they, compared to... I mean, I know they were very young, so I suppose it's partly, uh, partly the threat about the kids from Bethnal Green going, is as Susan said, you know, she dyed her hair red as a, a gesture of rebellion. Um, and I, just think, I think the problem is when you're a teenager, it's only years after you're a teenager you realise how utterly stupid you were as a teenager, you know? And that, that kind of passionate idealism which uh, can express itself in what, you know, boy band you are a fan of or what political cause you grasp. You realise you get a bit of perspective on it in later years and you, you do really feel for those kids because you, you realise that one way or another I think they are going to uh, fairly soon I would guess but sooner or later I think that Bethnal Green for all its faults actually is a hell of a lot better well, than got, being um, um, you know. I've got a teenage son boy are my chickens coming home to roost. He's not, Literally, he's, every, not a, he's not a jihadi, though, is he? No, no, but every single, he, every single surly tick that I had, he's inherited. Was, uh, <laughs> I, 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 just the sight of a man in his 50s trying to out-sulk a 17-year-old boy is pathetic. <laughs> right? I fucking did it, though. Um, <laughs> Kerry, what Nick says is interesting about if and when they come back. The, 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 the detail for me that was the most chilling was that apparently they were radicalised through social media, as we've discussed, but... One of the bits of advice they were given by female jihadis was bring sexy laundry, which I found, for some reason, very chilling. But when they come back, if they do come back, how do we treat them? Do we treat them as criminals? Do we treat them as teenagers who've made a teenage mistake? What? I, I, I think it's a really difficult and important question. It's something that I feel very emotional about, the fact that the government took an hour of my life last night. <laughs> and I know you're talking about terrorism, but this is the kind of terrorism, really, that's more important... <laughs> A fucking hour. An hour. And, they, and it's my birthday week, which means I've lost an hour of my birthday week. And, and sometimes, because on the 25th, I lose an hour of my birthday. Over my years on the planet, I've probably lost half a birthday over this. And, and some fucker in October gets an hour of my birthday on, on his birthday. Which I, I know this is not what you're talking about, but I think it's really important if you move to that, we sort, that we sort this out. And, and the government are talking about doing double summertime, which means moving the clocks forward two hours, which is horrendous. Um, and what they could do is put the clocks back 22 hours and give us a whole day free. <laughs> that doesn't answer your question, does it, really? Well, no, it does, but it raises another question, because why do we even do it? I don't know, it's an old habit, isn't it? We've got to get out of I've it. I've got loads of old habits. I don't I have a wank every Friday, but I don't necessarily <laughs> think that that should be strictly legalised. <laughs> not every Friday. If you make it an hour's wank in October, it'll be like it never happened. <laughs> Susan, do you think there was more shock because it was, um, it, was, it was girls? Do you think people expected... That behaviour from, you know, from young men who are full of testosterone. Yeah, and I think anger. it probably was because, and there's been this. So, it's weird that there's so many of them in one school. It's like a kind of collective madness. Is, madness is going on, um, 
But I think it is like you like you say, it is the hormonal thing. People, you go a bit mad when you're a teenager. And I've got a, I've got a theory because when when we do you remember when we were young, we were sort of listening to like you know good old punk music, and you'd like you'd channel your anger into into writing songs. Any kind of pissed off Asian teenager will just give them like amplifiers, guitars, and drums, and we'll get good music and less terrorists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the other ch- curious thing is that you know the way that most teenage hormonal passion and surge goes into say rock and roll or whatever it might be, you know. <clears throat> the way that uh, the way that uh, ISIS am, are using Western media, even though that they condemn all scientific achievements uh, of of the West, no, uh, yeah, 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 they use the gun, they use the you know, they use videos. They're using all these uh, all these methods of, of of Western mass media presentation to glamorize this medieval barbarity, and 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 I, you know. <laughs> It, it is tragic that um, teenage girl, intelligent teenage girls, mm. clearly as well, are um, you know instead of channeling it into you know their the new thing is driving around Britain in a big pink bus trying to get recruits. In. That's, that's right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <Harry> but, <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought we'd have harked back to the halcyon days of the nineties where you just sneak off to Ibiza for an, a week long bender on drugs and come back with mere chlamydia? <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is spring break with. Genocide. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a cocktail. Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah. Um, you, you sounded slightly miffed earlier, Martin, that you weren't needing a police escort. Somebody this week who might well be needing one is Tony Hall at the BBC because of the irate... Oh, I mean, the for irate Christ's sake, I mean, these, these, I mean, did you see the pictures of him? I mean, he's, he's got a face, to quote the great Nigel Molesworth, like a squished tomato. I mean, he, what a wanker. I mean, um, <laughs> I... I, I, I receive death threats all the time across the political spectrum from everybody. I mean, death threats by email mean nothing. You've got a death threat by email. A death threat by email is some wanker sitting in his bedroom, you know, having just literally finished wanking and then still says, I'm going to fucking kill you, you cunt, presses send. And uh, now can... I'm here, sitting next <laughs> to you. <laughs> That's genuinely terrifying. But, I, do you know, can a, I a just real, say... A real death threat has your children's ears, both children, both ears, in a jiffy bag sent to your home address. I feel, I, feel, I feel vaguely ashamed after a wank. I wouldn't send a death threat. <laughs> this, is, this is about five minutes of self-disgust and then I'm fine, but the idea of sending a death threat... Is, but it's... it's it, I, the, what I find really odd is the fact that the Clarkson petition, I suppose, had a million signatures, which is odd. He's got four million followers on Twitter, which means that three out of the four people who follow him on Twitter thinks he's a twat. <laughs> <All right. laughs> But nowhere I've gone, and I did, I did the Glasgow Festival last week, we talked about this, nobody in any audience I've come across, this might be different tonight, I doubt it, nobody in any audience I've come across has challenged me, because I share your view on Clarkson, I've worked with him, he's a bully, he's a bigot, he's a racist. This has happened before, that's the only astonishing thing that he's taken till now to come in. I find it, I don't know where these people are that are on his side, because I generally haven't met anyone oh, who me? supports it. You already saw Yeah, but he wanted a steak, what the fuck? You know, I've come home drunk before and I want a steak and someone doesn't give me one. What do you do? You punch them in the face, obviously. I don't, I don't see any other option. Well, no, only as, only as Jim Davidson says in his book, out of love. Out of love? You only, as Jim Davidson says, I only ever punch someone out of love because that's how it works. You love someone, you punch them. Like my new that's little right. kitten. My new little kitten's just black and fucking blue because I love that kitten. 
I can't, every time I have a pizza, I just have to punch it through the wall. You punch them. But it's, <laughs> it's not, the, the thing is that Clarkson, you see, the details start to come out the first time. You know, he's called him an Irish cunt, blah, blah, blah. The reason he was, dr- he was late is because he kept the BBC's privately hired helicopter to get in there, kept that going for two hours while he drank three and a half bottles of rosé wine. And rose. 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 That's what his drink. That's his drink. Rose. In, in, his drink. in March. No, uh, uh, with fish. With fish. Am I might put. Just, just, just to, to be pedantic, I think it depends on the nature of the rose. I mean, it was a, a, and the a, fish. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean so, it, with fish. If it's a I mean, robust, you wouldn't want a California, one of those horrible yeah, so fruity agree, ones. Yeah. But you know, something a bit yeah. drier from the south of France, yeah. or even maybe the Loire. I once watched Howard Marks drink three bottles of rose. Did he eat fish? He had a joint. Yeah, there and, you and go. So, if we could, which is by definition not a fish. Uh, let's let's not mention that cat's piss you served the other night, Nick. But that's that, that's neither here nor there. It's, again, it's going in the direction that we didn't think it would take. But I, again, what my point is: who are the people that are supporting him? Who are the people that, that genuinely think it's okay the un- for a drunken man? Silent majority. The people. Yeah, this, this country's gone mad. It's PC. <laughs> as, I wouldn't be surprised if the policeman was actually called PC gone mad. Right. <laughs> right. Just to wind Clark's nut. Right. PC gone mad here to arrest you because you can't drunkenly punch a man who's told you there's only cold food available because you were three hours late because you were too pissed to get in a helicopter somebody else was paying for. Yeah, but, I mean, but you put it like that, it's just, it, you know, yeah. why and you all know, the Also, class? you know Clarkson and the, the, fucking the other two, like Hammond and May behind him, going, it's not worth it, leaving Jim, it's not worth it. And I guarantee you, if either of those two leave Top Gear, I will give everybody in this audience 100 quid. They won't fucking leave Top Gear. They've got nowhere else to go. They're unemployable. There's adverts for them. Quick save. That'll be the next thing they do. <laughs> That'll be it. They'll be dressing up as a meerkat to open fucking supermarkets. They'll be at Top Gear. Dermot O'Leary will be hosting Top Gear and everyone will forget that Jeremy Clark's never existed. But speaking uh, as a representative of The Guardian, which of course I'm not... Yeah. Um, oh, well, what, if, as what, you are a representative okay, of The Guardian, okay, okay, tell well. them to stop having surveys and calling it news. Having, yeah. polling their own people, uh, saying Ed Miliband lost that debate because they had a survey of their own overnight and calling it news isn't fucking news. Very little in newspapers is news. Well, after, uh, I wish it was I know that's news to you, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, no. yeah. but, but the thing about Clark, what's really interesting about Clarkson is, you know, he admits he cannot write without alcohol, mm-hmm. nicotine and caffeine. Well, he, you know. He's, 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 having, <laughs> well, yeah, he, he's, he's going through a very, he's going through such a messy divorce, he buries the hatchet with Piers Morgan, not in Piers Morgan. He says, we've got to stop this, I'm having a really bad time. So suddenly he's being a terrible victim, you know, my life is falling to pieces. Actually, it probably really is falling to pieces. He's lost his job. And yet it is impossible, uh, from my point of view, to actually feel any sympathy for him, because he has traded his entire career on saying, oh, what a bunch of social worker wankers, they just sort of toughen up, you know, should be like me and just, you know, uh, uh, become an alcoholic. I mean, it, it's, it is one of those Quite. wonderful things, you know, the, um, the fact that the Prime Minister, of the, well, I, I suppose he's a Prime Minister, more like a balloon on a stick, but, I mean, the Prime Minister of this country, uh, his daughter is apparently yeah, prepared to I, starve yeah. herself to death <laughs> uh, to yeah. have this man... <clears throat> You know, back on the telly when, of course, she should be going off to Syria. Well, my favourite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's what? She's she's eleven years old, isn't she? That's, that's is, she, 11, is, she, is she the one he left in the pub? I don't know. Yeah, yeah he, tried, he tried yeah, yeah, to get yeah. rid of her. And the thing yeah. is, he doesn't care about he doesn't care about people starving, does he? Jim, look at that food banks have increased in So if his daughter starves to death, he wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. My favourite. Right, this is what eleven-year-olds are like now. Eleven-year-old girls with a little Clarkson doll and their little. Car and they, they punch each yeah, other. Suicide vest. Suicide vest. It's quite. Yeah. It's quite. It's quite a doll with a punch thigh. <laughs> I like. I like the fact that, um, as Private Eye pointed out, 
David Cameron, in Prime Minister's Question Time, uh, about 15 times said to Ed Miliband on the subject of the, the TV debate, he wants to talk about television and I want to talk about running the country. And not three hours after that, it was when he said, Jerry Clarkson's a friend of mine, he tells me he regrets <laughs> having done what he did and it's a very good television programme. <laughs> right. so, and it's also quite telling, five years as Prime Minister and the only two people who he's mourned for losing their jobs are Rebecca Brooks and Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon yes, then now Rebecca Books has been seen as supposedly innocent, she'll do something about that fucking face of hers? <laughs> All that money. I think in a court of law, I think technically in a court of law, having a shit face doesn't necessarily make you guilty. That's what's it wrong with It should do. Country. I mean, that's, that's what's this country's gone to the dogs. The mere fact... Yeah. Literally, I've, literally I've, gone to the dogs. I imagine. I mean, it would have saved ourselves a lot of time in the Dave Lee Travers trial if the judge, I assume the judge gave the jury the speech saying, ladies and gentlemen, we're gathered here today to try a man, I cannot stress enough that he is innocent until proven guilty, but in this case, look at his fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rapey face. Beard. Well, okay. they are, look, you want, you want, I think we need to cut that out of the podcast because, you know, they are looking for ways to speed up the efficiency of the legal system by, uh, <laughs> of by making, per, yeah. making yeah. equal quality before the law subject to a means test, you know. Well, the like. job centre in Chipping Norton's got Rebecca Brooks, now it's got Jeremy Clarkson. If he gets David Cameron... Whoa. That'd be brilliant. That'd be fantastic. It's going to be code red. Yeah. <laughs> or code magenta, I imagine they call it out there. But also, I mean, again, on the subject of, and I imagine this would have been grist to any, the mill of any cartoonist, is that the Prime Minister brings his children to school this week, uh, to uh, Prime Minister's questions this week. I'm assuming he will be paying the fine that poor people are charged when they take their kids out of school to go to Tenerife. Well, I should imagine he's probably they're the only people left listening to Prime Minister's Question Time. That's I cool. stopped listening to it years ago. It's a complete and utter waste of time. It's actually humiliating. Mm. It, is a, it is a stain on our democracy. And if Ed Miliband had any balls at all five years ago, he'd have said, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this. It's bad for you, Dave. It's bad for you to humiliate yourself in this way. You're going to have an embolism. You know, you're getting redder and redder. Uh, the people behind you, they genuinely hate you even more than I do. They're just, they're just baying like this because the whips have told them they're going to lose their jobs otherwise. And it's, it's pathetic. It is genuinely pathetic. And I just stopped listening to it. And people I say, oh, you, you must be listening to this, what's going on? No, it has no effect whatsoever on the news agenda. It doesn't even make it to the 10 o'clock news of, you know, for 30 seconds. It's a total waste of time. I have heard, you probably have more insight on this, and I, I'm trying to think of a more literate way of putting this, but I have heard from insiders who work in politics that George Osborne is actually all right, but Cameron is the cunt's cunt. <laughs> I, am, I am told that Osborne is, as you so eloquently put it, a cunt. No, no, he's not. It's Cameron. Is it? No, no, he is. But, oh, but, he is. But, oh, right, okay, Cameron right. is, is more of a cunt. Oh, is he? Yeah. Because Cameron is uh, actually incredibly lazy. Cameron, he's, he's just a, he's, he's the PR man. I mean, one of the reasons why George Osborne was a cunt, I mean, I'm, I don't particularly like using that word, George Osborne, that <laughs> but, but <laughs> is that, he, that he's, I mean, this is why I despise this government so much, is because they're not, they're not real politicians, they're just playing at politics. So, you know that George Osborne would actually burn down the entire galaxy if it meant he managed to pull one over on Ed Balls during a debate in the House of Commons. He would kill everybody on earth if it just made Ed Balls look slightly silly. And, and he's just playing it. He's playing a stupid game. And he's playing it really badly because he thinks that David Cameron is the most charming man in the world and would have charmed his way into number 10 with a majority bigger than any majority ever if it hadn't been for Nick Clegg and Clegg Mania. And we are actually in the fifth anniversary, ladies and gentlemen, of Clegg Mania. Just remember that. Clegg Mania. Yeah. No? 
No, it's not, 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 it's not doing anything. You went, you went worryingly Boris Johnson then, do you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, we'll carry on this, this subject in a minute because I, I really want to talk about the, the bounds of satire and whether satire helps or hinders. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got one of my favourite parts of the show. It's a, it's a monologue. Uh, it might take him a little while to walk from that end of the table to here. So massive round of applause, please, for Nick Revel. Thanks. Um, I was planning this week to do a detailed, in-depth explanation of exactly what's going on uh, in Yemen at the moment. But it turns out that beyond saying it's a proxy war between Shia Iran and Sunni Saudi Arabia would take considerably more than five minutes. <laughs> Who knew? So it's tempting to take the, the common view, of course, that it's just a load of Muslims being nutty and violent, as usual, but that's actually not true, which is a shame, because it's also a bit of a comfort to pretend that you can understand something complicated and frightening just with a few simple slogans. Saves valuable time that would otherwise have to be wasted thinking. Uh, and who wants to do that in the brave modern world where social media has to be checked every 10 minutes for new kitten videos? <laughs> Imagine how foolish you'd feel if you were too busy trying to get to grips with the real socio-economic forces that are triggering armed revolt against despotic plutocrat autocracies by poverty-stricken oppressed communities and how, out of ignorance and desperation, they reach for brutal fundamentalist religious doctrines to give some kind of ideological foundation to their struggle and as a result you forgot to tweet death threats to a broadcaster for sacking a violent racist. But having said that, we do have to admit that a lot of Sunni Shia violence over the last thousand or so years is down to one group believing that successes to the Prophet as head of Islam should be chosen by election and the others believe it should be inherited through bloodline. I can't remember, way, which, I can't remember which way round it is because it's so ridiculous that frankly I don't give a flying fuck. But it's just as ridiculous to think that religion is the main reason people fight each other. I mean, in this city right now, kids are stabbing each other to death because the last letter of their seven-digit postcode is different. And I don't see anybody blaming the Royal Mail. Admittedly... <laughs> And admittedly, you know, when you look at something like the murder of that poor Afghan woman, Fakunda, who was killed by a mob because an imam accused her of possibly burning a copy of the Quran, I'd have thought you might hope people's reaction would be to take a step back and think, well, according to my particular take on the Allah user's manual, I should kill this person for possibly doing that. But looking at it from a more human point of view, who am I really helping here? Does the good name of the prophet really depend on me throwing a defenseless woman off a high building. I know it's against my principles not to do it, but maybe sometimes a little hypocrisy isn't such a bad thing. And it really isn't just Muslims who are prone to that kind of fucking stupidity. In 2007, <laughs> at Christmas, there was a vicious riot in Bethlehem. Not just in Bethlehem, but in the Church of the Holy Nativity, on the spot where Christians believe that Christ was born. During the festival, to celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace, a vicious riot. One side, a group of Christian monks. The other side, another group of Christian monks. 
This church, by the way, is looked after by three different Christian groups, right? You've got the uh, Roman Catholics, the Armenian Apostolics, and the Greek Orthodox. Each group look after a specific part of the church, and they have very strict boundaries about who goes where. Now, the difference between these three groups is very important. The Catholics differ from the Greek Orthodox over the Nicene Creed of 325 AD, one group believing that the Holy Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equal, while the others believe that there is a hierarchy within that trinity with God being at the top. The difference is in the interpretation of basically a a phrase which if you translate into English from Latin or into any other modern language, when you translate the phrase Deo Patris Filioque, God the Father and the Son, uh, is whether you need a comma after God the Father and before the Son. And that's why the soldiers of the Fourth Crusade stopped off at the Greek Orthodox Christian city of Byzantium in 1204 and sacked it and massacred thousands of the inhabitants over a disputed comma. The difference between the Catholics and the Greeks on one side and the Armenians on the other is, of course, that since the Council of Chalcedon in 451 AD, the Armenians have been considered guilty of the monophysite heresy, while the Armenians themselves argue that they are, in fact, myophysite. The Catholics and the Greeks are both diophysite, but we all knew that. So now you can totally understand how when the Armenians and the Greeks in the Church of the Holy Nativity in Bethlehem were cleaning the church before Christmas, a riot started when an Armenian monk left a ladder in the Greek section of the church. Now, it shows how naive I am, because I would have thought that the conversation might have gone a bit like this. Excuse me, my fellow worshipper of Christ, by a slightly different liturgy and creed, I cannot help noticing that you have misplaced a ladder and left it in the section of the church which falls under our jurisdiction. As you know, we're very strict about the boundaries in this building, so would you mind removing it? And you'd think the response would have been something like, I do apologise, my fellow worshipper of Christ, by a slightly different liturgy and creed, I will remove the offending ladder immediately. Not only that, I will lend you a squirt of my Mr. Muscle, multi-purpose cleaner, as a gesture of reconciliation and goodwill. Obviously, it went more like this. Oi, you monophysite wanker! Shift that fucking ladder! Who are you calling a fucking monophysite, you fucking diophysite prick? Come on, you myophysites! They start kicking shit out of each other with brooms and iron bars and stones. I've done a lot of cleaning in my life. Never used a stone or an iron bar. They came tooled up. Right, they had, to, they had to let in Palestinian riot police to, to sort the problem out. You can look at this on YouTube, I swear, it's great. And you can see the Palestinian riot police through their visors with a look of shock on their face saying, Jesus Christ, they say that we Muslims get pissed off over fuck all. This is an argument over a fucking ladder. Do you know what I thought? I thought to myself, it would have been fantastic to think that St. Peter was looking down all this, on all this from the pearly gates and he said, Jesus, Jesus, come here a minute. You've got to see this. And Jesus looked down and said to Peter, take tomorrow off. I'll do the door. And I love to think that in the next 12 hours, all those hundreds of rioting monks would all get killed in bizarre, individual, ladder-related incidents. <laughs> and they turn up at the pearly gates. Jesus is holding the keys. Oh, hello, boys, what have we here? The monks from Bethlehem. I recognise you from YouTube. And I can see from the reverential look on your face that you recognise me too. I know you're looking confused. St. Peter normally does the door, but I've given him the day off to go fishing. 
told him to fish on the other side of the boat, so we should be all right for supper. So what of a surprise seeing all of you here on the same day. I'd just like to start by saying, so glad you guys fully understand me. So good to see my 33 years of self-sacrifice on earth weren't wasted. Because a lot of people concentrate on the peace uh, and love to all mankind, love thy enemy kind of element of my teachings. But you guys saw through all that to the real essence, the real message. Blessed are those who kick the shit out of each other over a misplaced ladder. Well done. Well fucking done. Makes all the pain and suffering worthwhile. I don't actually even remember saying that, but who am I to judge? Anyway, while we're on the subject of misplaced ladders, you know the last time that Jesus saw a misplaced ladder? Anyone? No. Well, I'll tell you, the last time Jesus saw a misplaced ladder was when a Roman centurion was climbing up it to bang nails into my hands and fucking feet to nail me to a cross. Now, that's what I call a fucking misplaced ladder. But what do I know? Anyway, there's a ladder over there. Climb down it, and when your arseholes are on fire, you have reached your destination. Fuck off, you bearded, hooded cunts. Now, some of you might be thinking, I'm certain that Jesus would never talk like that. But I say being certain about anything is where all the trouble starts in the first place. Thank you. Nick Revel. I mean, that's brilliant. The, the stuff about the comma. <laughs> I, feel, I feel on a bound to point out that if you walk down the street with Nick Revel and he sees a misplaced comma on a shop sign, <laughs> he goes ballistic. Right? He will so go in do. the shop and say, you've got the comma the wrong side of the S. Also, in the interest of fairness, as we mentioned Jeremy Clarkson, Nick Revel is the only person on this panel who has punched somebody at work. Right? He punched somebody... At the end of one of these gigs. No, right. in the middle of it. Oh, it's in the middle of it. I beg yeah. your pardon. Right. But to be fair, Nick did say it was in self-defence, although I thought it was quite a good heckle from the bloke. But, <laughs> uh, but fuck me, it was a good punch. I mean, he knocked him clean out of his wheelchair. It was just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Susan, you, so you write for News Quiz. Religion's one of those topics that will always get a response from, from people. Are there, subject, are there any subjects do you think should be off-limits for satirists? That's a tricky question, because I'm so working class, I don't really understand the word satirist. Is it just, like, posh for funny? Not really. Go on, then explain it to me. It depends whether it's Rory Bremner or not. (laughs) Explain it to me, then. Well, a satirist satirist is somebody who punctures a pompous... I know you don't understand the pompous... No, 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 don't say that. It's the pompous phrase in the fucking language. I hadn't finished. Okay, but puncturing the pompous... I wasn't going to say that. Parisians, I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you explain it then, Mr. Clever. No, it's, uh, it's attacking people more powerful than you are. That's all it is. It's, it's laughing at people more powerful than you are. It's a subset of humour. I like so. the way it also punches the pomposity. <laughs> so punches, punching, punching pomposity is fine. Puncturing pomposity. Ah, I see, OK. It's, okay. That, it's that CT. Is it, is it puncturing? Is it because that's because it's too slow? You like a. Yeah. You don't like it while you punch it with. Kicking yeah. in the nuts. So do you, think, do you think all humour should only be... because this was No, the, not at all. No, no. All, all humour obviously isn't um, about attacking people. I mean, it, it, it's uh, what's H.L. Mencken, famous uh, American journalist, said journalism is about afflicting the comfortable and comforting the afflicted. And I always work on the basis that that's what I do. It's, that's, that's the kind of humour I do, and it's satire. But all humour is actually about laughing at people you hate, people you love, shit, sex and death. <laughs> how, much, well, how much thought? <laughs> where, where, which is more important for you, the satire or the joke? 
Is it more important to get a laugh or make a point? Satire is more important. I mean, humour is merely one aspect of satire. The idea, that, the idea that comedy and satire are the same thing is completely untrue. Would well, you have a mentor? I mean, a lot of I mean, that's, that's why Channel 4 made the great mistake of having a man who has a butler and a tax accountant presenting a leading satire show. You know. mm. Jimmy Carr. Yeah. Jimmy Carr. Yeah. Yeah. Not just a tax accountant, the best tax accountant that fiddled money could buy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Personally>. <laughs> um, but do you have the same... Like, we're all stand-up comedians on the panel, apart from you. We all probably have the same checklist that you go through before you do a particular piece of material at different times. Do you do the same thing? Do you, are someone criteria? punch me? No, do it. <laughs> well, that's what we've seen this week, for example. There are several comedians who have routines about plane crashes. One in particular has got a routine about a lift. I mean, I'm, I imagine none of those people would be doing those jokes this weekend. Would they be right not to do that? Yeah, because audiences just, it's just a knee jerk rea reaction from audiences. Even if you might be coming at it from a different angle, they just hear the word plane crash. And, you know, we've, we've, all, sort of, we've all learned from those experiences, God, there's no point in doing it yet, give it a moment. I disagree totally. But I don't think it's right. Yeah, I don't, yeah so I, I disagree as well. Because I, th I, th I think you're right that people feel that way. And I think people do feel that way. But I think we've conditioned ourselves to feel that way. And I don't think it is right. I think we should be able to be, have duality. And we should be able to find something very sad and funny at the same time. And I think there's a lot of people who think, uh, you know, the, the attitude should be see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And I think those people let evil get away with it. And, and I think that these things do happen in the world and they do deserve to be made fun of. And the, and the thing about making fun of our leaders is that that's one of the things that makes us safe. And, and some of the scariest places to be in the world with, with the, the worst human rights records are places where you wouldn't dare say anything about the leader. And I think that's, that's a really yeah. important tenet. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of the things... I mean, the, the, you know, after, after the Charlie Hebdo killings, everybody was saying, oh, you, it's, it's all about Islam. It's, it's bollocks, it's all about Islam. Um, Ali Fazat, who's uh, a great Syrian cartoonist, uh, three years ago, had his fingers deliberately broken by uh, Bashir al-Assad's al thugs. Uh, and he's the guy who the jihadis are fighting against. It's all about power. I mean, that's what they hate. They hate being laughed at. Uh, and, you know, everybody hates being laughed at, but for the most part, people have got to take it. And also, because I think, it happens also, all the time. I think, also, I think, you know, if, if, if all you do is go out in front of an audience and think, right, uh, I'll do stuff that definitely they will all get then the quality of the comedy yeah. and the quality of the discourse that you're trying to conduct in any kind of comedy, even if it's not satire, just becomes so lowest common denominator that you're just a performing monkey in, in, fr totally in front of a bunch of morons. And some humour is defiant anyway, and I think that defiance matters. You know, like yeah. After the Charlie Hebdo, uh, there, were, there were lots of people in, uh, in France wearing I, I, just be Charlie T-shirts, which is uh, a form of humour and defiance. And... and uh, in an extent, it's standing up to terrorism, although it would have been a hell of a lot braver if they'd done that before the attack. Although, fa in fairness, it you know... Really uh, meant much, but it would have done. It <laughs> would have confused the terrorists. They, <laughs> would have, they would have known <laughs> which one is Charlie Hebdo. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that would have been brave. Well, if they'd have known which one of you is Charlie Hebdo, they'd all be fine. <laughs> 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 the, the positive side, actually, of the Tunisian uh, museum shootings was the fact that now we know you don't have to worry about doing some offensive joke uh, in support of uh, Charlie Hebdo to be a target of the nutters. And I use the word nutters in a specific term. I don't mean Muslims, as I hope was clear from my monologue. But, you know, people who are prepared to kill because they think that somebody's done an offensive joke to their particular imaginary friend, or whatever the context might be, or killing the, the, the head of the BBC because, you know, the fat cunt Pac uh, Clarkson has lost his job. I, did, I was trying so hard not to describe fat him like that. But that's, you know, like that. But, but, but <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, the fact that they went to that museum and shot people, you know that, uh, that, 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 that everybody's a target, so you might as well relax. But we, we need to move into the break, but... I've, 
want to just check one thing, Mark. So is, are you implying that satire is only ever a, a, a safety valve? Do you think for example, Ian Duncan, the thing that annoys me most about Ian Duncan Smith and his attack on the port is, well, his head is, well, that's, that's, more, that's more of a cartoonist response, I'd say. But I'd think you'd like it because it's just an easy little circle. It's like drawing cats, Ian Duncan Smith. Uh, I can draw cats, anything I can draw. The thing that most annoys me about Ian Duncan Smith and his attack on the poor is that he's a practicing Catholic. So clearly he's going to church every week and not listening to what he's being told about what his, his God believes in. Now... That's very Perhaps easy. To Catholic, one day he'll be quite good at it. Yes, very, thank you very much. That's, that's stick to drawing. That's, um, uh, but that's very easy to satirise, but you can do as many cartoons as you want. I can do as many routines as I want about that. He's not going to listen to it. Not, no. Is it going to change anything? No, 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 any, no, no, any, no that's, that's actually not... I, for, for, I, I've been doing this for, for 30 years now. For, for the first 10 years, I thought, yeah, I've, I've drawn him with a really big nose. He'll resign in horror. Mm. You know, he'll, he'll kill himself tonight because I've made his ears big. It's, and I realise it's got nothing to do with that. Uh, it's, it's got to do with actually making the readers feel better about the fact that they hate these bastards having the power and them not having the power. It's about balancing things up. And it's, uh, but also humour, as you said, it's, it's a safety valve in many ways. We laugh at terrible things. And what the people on this panel, all of us do in our different ways, is, um, well, me different from the rest of everybody else, actually, is, is we sort of stand on top of that weird Chinese wall which separates public from private discourse. And I always thought after the death of Princess Diana, you know, people were emoting in the streets. Well, yes, we'll have a bit of a, bit of a blub because they were meant to go out shopping and everything would be good. So, you know, they thought, well, they, they, they'd emote instead. But at the same time, exactly the same people were telling the most appalling jokes about the death of Diana, which well, people do all the time. Yeah. Anything terrible happens... In pubs, people in private will tell each other terrible jokes. Well, and what we do is just sort of break through that Chinese wall and make it public. I'll just, I'll just point out that Princess Diana can still get people into trouble as we go into the break, as I did a Radio 5 thing recently. Nicholas Witcher was on, and they were talking about the new royal baby, and he said that the royal family hoped it would be a girl because that's what Princess Diana would have wanted, and I accidentally said out loud, no, seatbelt, that's what she would have wanted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and on, uh, on that note... Uh, we're going to take a, a ten-minute break. Please, uh, a round of applause for all our panel. Uh, please welcome back our panel: Nick Revel, Susan Murray, Martin Rosen, and Kerry Marks. Now we always uh, this is we start the second part um, with uh, questions from the audience. And this week, well done. Last last month, I know some of you were here last month, but the questions were shit. You've outdone yourself. Uh, first question: This is set in the bar. This genuinely made me laugh. First question to all the panel is. Have any of you been in an accident that wasn't your fault? <laughs> yeah, my birth. <laughs> I actually quite like this one as well, which is a bit of good advice. The government didn't think it through. Could we not get rid of ISIS using Ebola? <laughs> Has anyone considered that the outcome of the election might be a UKIP Lib Dem coalition? Oh. That'd be fantastic for you, wouldn't it? That'd be great. No, I'd love that. I, I love drawing Farage because uh, I mean, I draw him as a snake because he lends himself very nicely to being a snake because of the nice sort of colours. And um, was it no year before last? They they were so excited about being in the news when they first broke through because Cameron was stupid enough to say we'll have a referendum. So oh, you're paying attention to us, you know? Suddenly they surge in the polls, and um, and they. You know, as I said, really excited about being in the news, and so they started buying the cartoons. 
and they were buying all the cartoons about them. And my wife and I had a holiday in Romania, which they paid for. You can actually pay for the holiday did, did, did in Did you bring some orphans well, back? Well, no, no. I, I sent them an email saying, you know, I think, because you, you paid for all of it, you paid for the hotels, paid for the flights, paid for all the food, can I bring you back 8,000 Romanians? <laughs> and, and luckily they got the joke, sort of. But doesn't that slightly <laughs> contradict the discussion we had in the first part about the point of satire if somebody in I, power is so pleased to actually have reached that they stage? Are diffu- no, what it is, I mean, I justify this, you know, it, it's voodoo, it's bad magic, it's sympathetic magic, and they diffuse the bad magic by owning the artefact. They always hang them in their toilets yeah. to mm. get rid of the shit. I mean, they always do it. Not that I, <laughs> I said yes there like I've been in Nigel Farage's <laughs> toilet. Oh. Well, maybe, have you? <laughs> what did so. you do there? Not in this life. <laughs> um, but the other, the other great thing about uh, um, a Lib Dem UKIP coalition would be watching... Nick Clegg, who presumably would be Deputy Prime Minister again, <laughs> uh, just trying to justify how he would support, you know, all the all the UKIP policies that, uh, you know, were at complete odds with these apparent principles. I just can I you love use principles and Nick Clegg in I, the same clause? I, 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 I love the idea so. that Nick Clegg announced today that. Uh, he would be unveiling his promises next week. So you can promise what you want, you ain't fucking getting in. <laughs> uh, you can promise a giraffe at every garden. Right. In fact, working on the basis that he's not getting in, he might as well make the most outlandish promises. Right. You're going to have a pink car, and then we vote for him. We go, I didn't fucking... Oh, shit, I've got to buy two million pink cars now. What's he like to draw? I mean, do you, do you... When politicians meet you, as I'm sure they do, because, of course, like most satirists, you mix with the people you satirise. Well, I go on holiday with them. Of course you do. <laughs> do, what's, do, they, do they force themselves? Do they, do they put the Richter's grin on? Kids do they, play together. Um, do, is it cool for them to... They presumably have to pretend they, they love they, 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 Well, they sort of... Um, they, they, they pretend it's... You know, well, I always say it's a case of mind over matter. They pretend they don't mind, and I pretend I matter, which uh, <laughs> sums it up quite well. Uh, we've got one final question, which I, I've, I was expecting to get. Um, uh, somebody said, I'm not a fan of the use of the word cunt in comedy, or as a general insult, am I being unreasonable? No, we did use it a lot in the first half. Uh, it's partly my fault. In all, in all honesty, I, don't, I generally try not to use that word, but where I'm from, it is a term of endearment, <laughs> basically. I, my dad calls me a little cunt, and it's, like, it's because he, he genuinely loves me. He's doing that with my head while he does it. It, but it's not, it's not, it's become, it's a word that we, I understand a lot of people are uncomfortable with and we did use it too much in the first part. It's hard not to talk about Jeremy Clarkson without using it. <laughs> it's very hard, but we will try and rein it in. But it does raise an interesting point in that we talked about what is possible to satirise and what isn't. And most of us seem to think that there are no limits to the targets. But it seems increasingly that words are far more off limit than ideas. I was fascinated by the fact that Jeremy Clarkson didn't get sacked for using the N-word last year. Because I think yeah. if he were black, you'd be fucking furious about the fact it took him hitting someone before he got sacked. When that was clearly a reprehensible thing to do, but was glossed over. But yeah. it does seem that people are more reluctant to use words rather than ideas. And people, it's almost as long as you use the right words to express a horrible idea, it doesn't really matter. I think also the, the, the impact of, of taboo words is much more powerful if, if you use them sparingly. I mean, it was weird because when I was... Tr- Coming to the end of that sentence, trying to describe Jeremy Clarkson, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't help that vituperative impact of that particular word being the one at the end of the sentence. Yeah, so also it seems to me I don't, I, I don't know if the audience, you're, you're, you're brilliant. I was going to say rant, but it's not a rant, is it? It's a, no, it's a fucking, it's a rant. But, but when you put, you, when you had Jesus using that word, it seems yeah. to me that the audience didn't seem to mind that context. I don't know if I'm putting words yeah. into your mouth, but 
Is it a word that you can use in context that you're happy I using? I think so, in context, yeah. And, and also, but also with, with fuck, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think the less you use it and, and the more you put it in the right place. Like in that monologue, I, I first had uh, the idea uh, w w when Jesus was ranting at them uh, about, uh, when he was going at them about the ladder. It's a delicate thing maybe, but given that we're slightly talking about technical stuff, I thought, first, my first thought was to go straight to him going, well fucking done. And then I thought, no, actually, it's more effective if I go, if I keep it lower first. Like this is the first time we've had a director's cut on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> well fucking done. But you is know what I mean? Just by having yeah, that escalation uh, yeah. where, you, where you show him trying to keep his anger under control and then he loses it rather than going straight to the anger. Is, is there a class element here? Because it is, a, again, I'll say that it is a word that I hear every day, but it's not used with malice. Where I come from, it simply isn't used with malice unless it is used with malice, but then you understand the context. Is there yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, amazingly, I'm the only one who hasn't actually dropped the C-bomb tonight, mm. which is completely out of character for me, as people that will know me know. <laughs> and I think that Nick should stop using words like vituperative. Vi I can't even say it. <laughs> vituperative, you cunt. <laughs> Kerry, you're, I mean, you can be... I was going to say controversial, but contradictory is the right word. If you're told not to say anything, you'll say it, which I think cunt. is... Cunt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> See, that was all right, because that was in context. Yeah. Unless you've just switched on the podcast. Uh, if that was the moment you tuned in, accidentally, and, and if you're from iTunes, I apologise. Mr. Marx is... I, I find it... I, I don't like... I, I can handle words, and I like words, and I, I, I find it hard to pussyfoot around saying... Sorry, cuntyfoot around saying a, a word that, that's a word that's direct and says, says, uh, says the meaning that I'm looking for. And, and I find it... On, on the other hand, I find it difficult to feel the need to protect adults from a word, because I feel like we're adults and we should be able to talk about I things. Think... I think it's different to saying a thing just for the sheer hell of it, which I, I do, cunting do that occasionally <laughs> as well, but, but it's, uh, I, I, th I think it's about freedom of expression rather than freedom of speech. I, th I think we want to be able to... I'll tell you what's also different is I think, I think the word cunt has changed a great deal. Uh, so I need to apologise to the person who asked the question, because <laughs> I really didn't think this through, because inadvertently... <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I should have asked you to make yourself known personally, and then we would have discussed it. <laughs> I'm so I've, sorry. I've got a lot to say on this as but well. But as well, when, whenever the subject of language is mentioned, inevitably some smart ass will say, yeah, but the Anglo-Saxons swore like anything. But it seems uh, everybody swears like everything. I know, but history, but but satire private, in the past, satire. For instance, James Gilray's the, the famous 19th century satirist that you know all about. I've been, I was researching some stuff about the Battle of Waterloo recently. His history is my passion. And when you look at the satire of that time, it's vicious. It's really, it's, it's way beyond anything that we do. I mean, it's not only personal attacks, but the actual physical drawings of people are grotesque caricatures of them in all sorts of... As, have we got more sensitive or more caring or more... Well, no, we haven't. I mean, um, Gilray uh, sort of went into eclipse during the 19th century but, uh, and half first half of the 20th century, but, you know, people like me, I'm obviously... Uh, beholden to him completely um, just for your information this was the man who not only did the, possibly the, the, the type specimen for a beautiful cartoon which is the plum pudding in danger of William Pitt and Napoleon dividing up a plum pudding being the world between them but also um, did a, a map of England which was a sort of um, 
George III shitting turds out of Portsmouth on the French fleet. <laughs> that's, the, that's the level of the humour here, which is, which is good, actually. I like that kind of thing. Um, would, he, would, he have, would he have thought about Portsmouth? Would he have gone Portsmouth? Please? Yeah, no, no, it's definitely Portsmouth. <laughs> 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 yes, Portsmouth, because, you know, yeah. well, I mean... just take shit up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's also, where the f- <laughs> it's also actually where the fleet was. Yes, so, you know, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's a shithole full of ships. Yeah. <laughs> or even a shithole. Or shithole, yes, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, isn't that in Albania? No, we're getting... Into, uh, no, Albania jets. No, Albania jets. Uh, or is it... Or is, no, actually... actually it's, the, it's, it's the International Airport in Holland, Holland isn't it? Yeah, Schiphol, yeah. Schiphol. Yeah. 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 Well, there's we, a lot of, lot of mileage in this show tonight, isn't it? Yeah, we've... we've Covering a lot of ground. Here? Have we lost the thread here? No, no, but I'm interested. What, what have the parameters changed for... Well, and you know, the thing about people like uh, Gilray and Crookshank and Hogarth and the rest of them is they actually sold the stuff themselves. They sold it as individual artefacts through print shops. So they didn't have to worry about editors, they didn't have to worry about uh, advertisers, they didn't have to worry about newspapers. You know, we make a living by selling our wares through newspapers. And we're subject to editorial caprice and editorial judgment, for that matter. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate working for a paper where they more or less let me get away with anything. I mean, occasionally an Egypt will come down from on high saying, cut the shit. I mean, there's a wonderful story about Steve Bell when he did, uh, if you know Steve's work, when he... Uh, used to draw Bush as a, as a chimpanzee and at the time of the Iraq war he did this fantastic cartoon of Bush squatting on the side of a broken toilet wiping his ass with the UN charter <laughs> and Georgina Henry, the last now dead then the deputy editor of the Guardian walked past the comment kraal when this came up on a, a sub screen because there was shit spattered all over the back wall of the Kazi where the, the chimpanzee was wiping his ass with the, uh, with the UN Charter. And she and Steve had an eyeball-to-eyeball confrontation about, um, you know, they couldn't have this amount of shit in the paper. And he finally tipexed out three of the turds, <laughs> which, which I then accused him. This is the greatest betrayal of free expression since the Galileo trial. You know, how dare he do that? But was that a compromise, three turds? Was it was three, a... three turds. It was a compromise, yeah, yeah. Oh. They horse-traded on the turds. On the subject of history, I'm at history is my absolute passion so I've been quite pleased this week to see that so much discussion and publicity has been given to a king who's been dead for 500 years uh, and if anyone here suggests that Richard III killed the princes I will go Clarkson on their fucking ass because <laughs> that was quite clearly Henry VII but Nick what does it say about us that I mean yeah, Richard Channel 4 just went Richard III madness what does it say about us that we're celebrating one of the most controversial kings in history and giving him a public state funeral, ceremonial funeral. I honestly don't know. Um, well, we'll move on to... Uh, uh, well, no, I... There was a dramatic I mean, sort question. of drawing out of the... There was, I, was, I was verbally trying to give three dots there. Maybe it's something to do... It, it, it fascinates me the way that we are, generally speaking, uh, obsessed with the royal family and, and the deference that's given to, to them is, is frankly beyond me. But it's an extraordinary kind of... It's almost like people live their lives vicariously through this idea that, you know, there's this fairy tale family that one could all dream of belonging to or something. And, and I, I think it's just this kind of automatic deference. I noticed that Robert Har- Hardy, Robert Hardy was at the, uh, at the funeral because he's an actor and he's a medieval weapons expert. So presumably he was there in case some Tudors turned up and it all <laughs> turned nasty. You know, I, I don't, I honestly do not. Well, I mean, I know, I know there are some people who say that a, a murderous tyrant from the past shouldn't get a ceremonial burial, but then Thatcher did. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you, I mean, if you, have, I mean, you're from that sort of that part of the world. Would you be? Leicester seems to be really. <laughs> I'm from I the don't West know. Midlands, you're not from. Not you're, well, you're not from. Lo- you're not from London. You're from that other bit. That's, 
<laughs> we discussed this in you're the You're outside the M25 moat. You're outside. You're, 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 you're from the freeloading part. It does fuck all. Oh, no. the, the bit we subsidise and then you write letters to the paper saying London's shit will fuck off and live somewhere else. So not you necessarily. Sorry, I don't understand your accent. You mean <laughs> But it's astonishing that Leicester... I mean, the last time he was in Leicester, he was having his buttocks slashed by a fucking sword. But weren't we all? Weren't we all? <laughs> hey, hey? Fair point. But it's... Why, you know, is, is, are these people turning up because they're never going to get to the royal funeral of their own? I don't... Yeah, probably. There's going to be bigger queues in London than there is in Leicester, aren't there? Apparently, they didn't they have a competition where people could attend if they won the competition. Really? Yeah, yeah. People were like really? proles could go, lucky them, eh? <laughs> I couldn't give a fuck about the royal family, living or dead. I come from a Scottish family who are a family of anti-royalists, so fuck them all is what I'll say. Thank you. <laughs> I did find it yeah. odd. Yeah. <laughs> fuck them all. I like the fact that one of... Uh, I love history, but even I think Channel 4 had too many documentaries on... But at one of them, at the end of one of them, David Starkey, uh, whose views on Anne Boleyn are reprehensible, by the way. Uh, <laughs> this is not a sentence I often get to use in front of the microphone. <laughs> That David Starkey had a new theory about who, who killed, and uh, you know, he was saying that it was obviously Richard III, and he ended, the last sentence was, uh, I have almost definitely, conclusively proved that without a doubt, he almost certainly did it. <laughs> Which, for me, was good enough. That sounds like yeah. proof. To prove that he is a yeah. dick, basically. And we need I to move I on. Never, I never, no, no, I never no, saw no. The, uh, the, the ceremony, because I, I was working on, like, you guys, but... Um, <laughs> Did they have Sky Plus. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing we have in our houses where you can go to work and tape a television programme and watch it at your leisure. Nice to hear of it. Did they have Elton John doing a version of Candle in the Wind as always? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. It would have been good. They had Ronnie Corbett doing four candles in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this online petition to stop Kanye West playing it, was it really on Change.org? I don't know what Jesus Kanye West or Change.org is. I mean, you know, I love the idea of the odd online petition that's about something really important. But, I mean, apart from the fact that's fucking ridiculous, racist and artistically up its own arse, actually putting that out on, on, on what purports to be a serious online way of influencing, uh, influencing opinion and, and changing things politically, to say, oh, I don't like this artist, all vote here, that's, that's just... Nonsense to me. I was going to swear there, but I think it's the new wave of pompous shits who now go, now go to Glastonbury, isn't it? A few years Possibly, ago, when, yeah. when it became you could buy the tickets by uh, uh, being the fastest person on the internet, as high-speed internet came got more popular, and the, and the crowd changed, and now it's people who go along to have a moan and, and want want things to fit their uh, their ideal. I'm just annoyed by his name. I always read it as Kane. <laughs> the fuck's called Kanye? It's just like he's just spelt it wrong, hasn't it? That's what you get a petition for. Change your name, you dick. <laughs> I did latitude last year, and I'm not going to do it again because it was really muddy, and I tried to pay four students to carry me across the field, <laughs> and they refused. So in a sulk, I said, I'm not doing it again. Um, just to, to end the show tonight, as we have to uh, let's let's bring let's bring the royal family bang up to date. I'm going to ask you, Martin, because I imagine that this chap is probably a godsend for cartoonists. Does anybody here think that Prince Charles has a right to privacy for letters that he wrote expecting them to be private? Or is it right that they're being revealed to the public? I did a cartoon about this last year when they uh, first took it to the Supreme Court for the deliberate one. Uh, a, ca- a pastiche of Gilray, in fact, who, you know, seamlessly coming together, mm. of him at breakfast eating some greens and uh, saying to one of his equerries, uh, take another letter to uh, Her Majesty's government and... Uh, 
dot the I's, cross the T's and lick my R's, <laughs> as the old gag goes. Um, I mean, you know, I am like you, I'm, a, I'm not a monarchist, or I'm a sort of, actually, I don't actually believe in the state in many ways, I think we should just have a kind of police going around, um, a, a police chosen by lot who go around enforcing laws against profiteering, and otherwise everything will be fine. Um, but, yeah, fuck him, you know, we should find out what he's doing, if he wants to rule over us. For God's sake, yeah. I mean, the jug-eared dwarf. I mean, for God's, God's sake, we need, we need, what we, what actually, what we need is a good dynastic war in this country. We haven't had one, we haven't had one for 500 years. I mean, we need, we need the, um, well, the Windsorists. It depends, it depends, it depends who the other dynasty is, basically. Well, we, we need the Windsorists against the, um, you know, the, the Cooper, the Diana, what's her name, you know. You want to see, the trouble is the lads, <laughs> the, the Porson's Arms, where I drink before Palace Games, would beat the Windsors in a fight. But I wouldn't necessarily want them to rule the country afterwards. Maybe the way to do it is like have a good Scottish wedding somewhere around Glasgow, big one. Everybody gets drunk, takes over Holy Loch. The Scots take over Holy Loch, uh, and the submarine base is their trident. And then you could have a nice sort of Stuart Hanover reenactment. No, I think I think the Spencerians. I think I think I think the Earl of Spencer should uh, be a wicked uncle, and he should actually take his nephews into his fortress oh, yeah, and then declare nice. war on the German usurpers. This is great. And they can have different symbols, you see. Yeah. Uh, the, the Carlists, as they'd be called, they could have tampons attached to their lapels to show their, to show their, their allegiance. Do you know what I'm going to do? do you, it's you sort of a Game of Thrones Highlander crossover And the Spencerians could have seatbelts. Yeah. They could have seatbelts. Do you know what I'm going to do? Good callback. Do you know what I'm going to do? Next podcast, I'm going to ask questions with a straight yes or no answer. <laughs> I think it's going to make my life much easier. But, but Kerry, I mean, I know satire is yes. all about punching. <laughs> I say yes. No, no, I know satire is all about punching. I don't need to know the question. Satire, is all, satire is all about punching the people in power. We've established that. But surely even... I people, love it when they punch themselves like this. Yeah, but so. even people in power have got a right sometimes to, to expect no. privacy when they're writing to somebody else. <laughs> not, not, no. Not in I, this I can understand. Why not? It's, it's, because I, this is co- a constitutional transgression. The, the, the fact of the matter is that he is interfering in the political yes, running of the sh- country, and he, and he should. Doing. And if he does that, which he's not, he's not entitled to do. But if he does do it, then it, it certainly should be public. End of story. Yeah, you he's, know, he's, he's, it doesn't he's matter what. what, what he's understandably worried about letters being published that will make him look like the dick that he is. That's yeah. the problem with it. Why doesn't he's, he just in talk his to murderer them? handwriting? And, and the fact that he's already become known as the black... Or the, or the, the writing is described as the black spider letters. And that is going to catch on, by the way. He is now yeah. Prince Charles, a.k.a. the black spider. And he sits at his desk at night and he writes his... He becomes the black spider and writes Makes his... Makes Camilla the black widow, doesn't it, at some point? <laughs> but do you reckon they're just releasing them to find someone that can actually decipher the handwriting? <laughs> do you reckon like, he actually wrote things like, please, sir, can you fill my life with dance? And that was like, it misread as, can, can you kill my wife in France? <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to that one in the edit. Good. <laughs> is there a danger, Martin? This is, and this will be the final point. And um, is there a danger sometimes? Because everybody always talks in politics about attracting the best and the brightest minds, and that people won't go into politics if they're not paying up. Is there a danger that people who might be attracted to politics just think I can't be asked with the level of vitriol that I'm, is going to come with it? 
Is that ever a danger? Is it ever a thought that goes... Do you, do you ever rein yourself in? Do you ever feel any sympathy for anybody that makes you... Somebody, some, somebody asked me this um, at, at, a, at a truly appalling event. Not I all did. my questions can be no, fucking no, no, original. No, 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 no. At the... At the <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. The people of Paxman asked the same... Asked? Okay. Paxman okay. asked the same question 27 times. He got a round of applause. Okay. <laughs> all right. No, no. This was, this was at the, Ed, the Edinburgh Politics Festival. That, that was a shit one, yeah. That was a barren of fucking last one, couldn't it? Um, and yeah. this... You tried a fringe festival for three fucking weeks. <laughs> and um, anyway, this, this woman with the sort of wonderful tones of mourning said, well, I think the reason why decent people don't go into politics is because Martin does such horrible drawings of them. <laughs> so it's all your and, fault. And, and I said, well, no, actually, the reason why decent people go, don't go into politics is because for the last 30 years we've had the market running anything and politicians have deemed, have deemed themselves to be completely irrelevant to what's going on in the country because everything will be sold by the city of London. That's the reason we have people, shit people going into politics because if anybody's interested in power, we'll go into banking. I knew I was right to make that the last question. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. I, sorry it got a bit unruly uh, this evening. It's been fantastic. You've been really good tonight. I, I really do appreciate your input and for putting up with me. Uh, but in the meantime, please thank all our panels tonight. Kerry Marks, Martin Rosen, Susan Murray, Nick Revel, and Nick Kelly.